All right, I'd like to welcome on Ian Palmer into the green room, director of the new documentary Knuckle. Ian, what about this project um, drew you to uh, wanting to direct a documentary about it? Um, I had got to know um, some travelers by the name of Quinn McDonough um, through a friend of mine who was uh, doing some uh, making some videos with them, some uh, educational videos, and uh, I'd been writing uh, fiction scripts before that, and uh, decided to have a look at uh, um, the world of documentary to see if I could, could, could come up with some interesting uh, material. And um, one of this, uh, one of the girls in this Quinn McDonough family was getting married, and uh, I had a camera and I was knocking around, shooting little bits of video. And uh, the family asked me to um, come along to the wedding. And at the wedding, I um, I met uh, the groom. Obviously, the girl was getting married to her one of her cousins, and her cousin was called Michael. And Michael turned out to be um, one of the main characters in the documentary. I met him at his wedding. He was 18 years old, and I met his big brother uh, James at the wedding too, at the reception of the wedding. And um, I got on very well with the two boys. And um, Soon after that, James was training for a fight, and they asked me along to video the fight. But I really had no idea what I was what I was going along to video. I thought it was maybe just a, a regular fight, and it turned out to be a bare knuckle fight. And I went along to the first bare knuckle fight, and I was pretty well hooked at that. And um, they liked describe, what I did. Yeah, describe your reaction the first time you saw the bare knuckle fight. It was it was, a, it was a, well it was a, it was a quick fight. We were taken uh, a lot. Uh, Everybody met in the morning of the fight at one of the traveler sites, and there was maybe two or three hundred men to see their champion James off. And the referee arrived uh, in his car and took James into the car, and I went along as well with my camera. And we were taken to a little country road, and it was, the road was blocked off by um, by, uh, tra- by the travelers uh, with their cars, and they held it in private, the uh, fight in private, just maybe a half a dozen people there. They didn't allow the uh, the families of either of the fighters out of the fight, just in case a big gang fight might have broken out. And that's traditional. That's the way it works. Anyway, the fight yeah. happened. It was it was pretty explosive and bloody. And uh, over in six minutes, James won his fight. Um, Twenty thousand Irish pounds, which is probably the equivalent of about thirty thousand dollars at the time. This is nineteen ninety-seven. And I, I was just. It was a completely. It was a completely new experience, and I, I found it. I found it in a, in a bizarre way for a peace-loving person like myself. I found it pretty, a pretty exhilarating experience. Um, I was just, I was just, I was just blown away by it. We went straight away back after the fight to. I mean, it was a bloody, um, very bloody fight. The other guy. Yeah. Now, how there. does it? How officially? How do they decide when the fight is over? Does it? I mean, yeah, I assume there's, just. There's, there's a few ways ways that happens. But basically, there's no rounds in these fights. There's no gloves. Uh, you can bandage your hands, but uh, you, once you start, you fight to the finish. And the way it finishes is either you're going to knock somebody out, the person who's knocked out loses, or you're going to uh, one of the fighters will hold out his hand in submission and say, I've had enough. That's the two ways. Or it could be a draw. The referees in almost all fights, and I've been to a lot of fights over the last over 10 years, um, the referees will uh, try to bring the fighters together after each have given a reasonable account of themselves. And they'll say, you know, um, will you not shake hands now? Or have you not have enough, had enough, the two of you? Because, I mean, if that happens, uh, that's good, <laughs> they that's good sound... for the two families. Peace is broken out then. Yeah, they kind of sound like a dad. All right, you, you two had enough or you still got to fight it out? Yeah, exactly. What... And, if, and if they haven't had enough, it'll go to the finish. And that's what happened in this fight. The other guy was knocked down repeatedly. 
And then, and then, then, uh, then he'd had enough by the end of it, and uh, and he, he was a bloody mess, sadly for him. Um, anyway, afterwards we we jumped into the. Uh, James was given his money um, there and then by the in a brown paper bag by the one of the referees. There are two referees. Each fighter brings a referee, to, in a sense, to show fair play. And the referees, in like travelers call the referees, fair play men. And, no, no, uh, wait. Uh, sorry, Ian. Real quick, describe uh, what an Irish traveler is for uh, people. Yeah, well, at home. what's an Irish traveler? Um, Irish travellers are a historical group of people living in Ireland and, and a whole lot of them in England and a bunch of them in America as well. Um, and they can trace their origins back in Irish history to maybe 13th, 14th century. That's in recorded history and they probably go back before that. They are seen as an, an ethnic group in Ireland now, an indigenous group of people uh, who traditionally were nomadic kept to themselves, were nomadic in the, in the Irish countryside as a rural group of people traveling around, working on farms, at various uh, picking crops, and also they would have had trades like tinsmithing, um, dealing in horses, um, things like that traditionally. Some, a lot of that activity um, died out as a way of earning their living in the 1950s and 60s, and then they moved into um, halting sites, or I suppose the equivalent in America would be trailer parks, um, yeah. on the outskirts of cities. Um, now, are the uh, are the Irish travelers are they uh, looked down upon by the rest of the population in Ireland? Are they? Yeah, uh, I mean, there's, from the from back from the 1960s, there was a, a government um, a government uh, move to try to assimilate travelers to try to make them settle, <laughs> um, which they really did in terms of stopping them traveling around. It became more and more difficult to travel around in a nomadic way and just pull up your caravan. Uh, on the side of the road, that was stopped and has been stopped to a large extent, although it does go on a little bit. Um, there was a, a movement to settle travellers, and um, but the movement to settle might have worked, but the movement to assimilate didn't, and travellers really have remained a group of people. Maybe about, I think there's upwards of thirty-five to 40,000 travellers in Ireland, and they tend to be <coughs> quite a resilient group because they marry within their own uh, family circles. So you'd have three or four uh, groups of family names who would marry each other, and that keeps it very tight. And you'd have arranged marriages, and this is the, it, it's a very traditional kind of setup like that. And people live tight together, cousins and uncles and aunts and brothers and sisters and parents living in houses or caravans on the same site um, beside each other. And now you talk about. Um, I saw that you said it's uh, brothers and cousins fighting, literally brothers and cousins. Yeah, I mean, what I was referring to there was. Um, that was the second big group of fights I filmed, and that was a, an encounter between the Quinlac Gunners and one of the Joyce branches of the Joyce family who lived over in on a side over in um, Oxford in England. There's a lot of Irish travellers live in England too, maybe 25 or 30,000 there. And, but they are, you know, they see themselves as Irish travellers living in England, and they they would travel back and forth and have close relatives um, on both sides of the Irish Sea. Um, the Quinlac Gunners and the Joyces are cousins. Um, if you go back maybe three or four generations, they've all got the same grandparents, and a lot of them would be intermarried with each other. So you could have, um, for example, one of James's sisters would be married into the, uh, one of James Conway-Tunner's sisters, James Conway-Tunner is the principal character in the documentary. Uh, one of his sisters is married into the Oxford Joyces. So, the, so there's a lot of uh, crossover between families who are feuding. Um, so... This, these families got together, um, and they had seven bouts against each other arranged, and the Joyces came across the Irish Sea to fight against the Quinlan Gunners in Ireland. 
And really what you had there was everybody was related who were out fighting each other. So you had 14 <laughs> men, um, and they'd be taken out two by two out to this remote site, and the rest would be would be on the um, arrival halting sites uh, somewhere, somewhere close by, and they'd be taken out so that there wouldn't be too many men there together who may, uh, again, get into a bit of a gang fight. So they were taken out two by two, and everybody was fighting were cousins. Now, sorry, it wasn't brothers fighting brothers. It was brothers uh, and cousins fighting other brothers and cousins. But the cousins, they were all cousins of each other at the same time. Right. And, now, what... And it, it seems like watching, in the... everybody watching was also, also mixed into the same extended <laughs> clan structure. Now, it seems like um, a lot of these guys want to stop fighting. They want to quit fighting. I know they've, they talk about their, oh, I hope my son doesn't get involved in this, but if he does, I want him to know how to fight. What do you think keeps sucking these guys back into bare-knuckle fighting? It's a cyclical thing. You've got, you've got, the origins are really, really, like a lot of these traditional feuds anywhere in the world, the origins, the real origins, where it kicked off are really sh- shrouded in the mists of time. Uh, it's difficult to pinpoint something. And if you can't pinpoint something, it's difficult to resolve it overall. Really what you have is sons fighting against against sons of fathers who used to fight, and then again grandfathers who used to fight before that. And there might be a particular incident in a specific generation which kicks it all off again. And that generation can then resolve it. But there will also, there always seems to be, um, you know, the next group of young men coming up who, for whom, you know, a spark can light it off again. And that's what happened in James and Michael's generation in the film. Um, they were at peace with the Joyces, and they lived together with them, in fact, on a, on a, a halting site, one of these halting sites in London. And uh, they grew up together. They were young men together, and then they were starting to work, get, work and get married uh, at the same time. And a row happened in a pub. This is in the early 1990s. A row happened in a pub, and one of the Joyce's and one of the Quinn McDonough's had a row. And the Quinn McDonough was uh, James's older brother, Paddy. And unfortunately, um, he ended up doing a number of years in jail for manslaughter. Uh, the Joyce man, he had a row, got stabbed to death. Uh, outside the pub after an argument. And that started off a chain reaction where, by that generation, James and Michael and Paddy and their cousins fought really for the next... That was, that was the early 90s. They fought on until... I stopped filming them in 2007, 2008, although I kept filming um, for <clears throat> a few years after that, but the fighting really stopped at about 2008. What so was... They, uh... were, they were literally fighting for about 16 years as a result of one thing. So you had a whole generation growing up um, fighting each other and arranging fights across the Irish Sea and around Ireland. Now, Ian, what's one of the what's possibly the worst thing you saw watching these bare knuckle fights? Was there a moment when you got squeamish or something you saw that made you think this is pretty crazy? Yeah, uh, you know, it, it's funny in terms of being squeamish. Uh, there must be some kind of some kind of something that happens when you have a camera in front of your on your shoulder, in front of your eye, and you're looking through a lens. I never really got squeamish, even though people would get hurt a lot. But what really um, uh, was a kind of a wake-up call to me was I had been filming for quite a few years and I got really sucked into a cycle of filming fights and uh, to some extent I'd lost my direction in terms of making the documentary. Uh, I'd been filming since 1997 and in 2006, <coughs> seven years on, um, I, was, uh, uh, I was told there was a fight between... Um, that was going to be refereed by James Quinn McDonough, who was my principal character. 
And I went along, and it was in the middle of the forest, and there was uh, a lot of people had been allowed to come to this fight uh, from the rival family, so there was a big air of tension. And the two men who were fighting, uh, I had got to know um, both of them reasonably well, but one particularly well, he's one of the Joyces, the leader of the Joyce clan, Big Joe Joyce. And he was fighting, um, he was fighting a, a man of his own age called Amy McGinley, who in his youth had been a feared uh, bare-knuckle fighter. But these men were nearing, nearing 60 years old, and they were grandfathers. In fact, they weren't far off being great-grandfathers. Travelers get married young. Wow. And so they'd be, having, they'd be, coming, they'd be becoming great-grandfathers by the, by the time they hit 40. So these guys were hitting 60. So they were well, well into being grandfathers. And these two guys came out, and they started beating the hell out of each other. And eventually, Big Joe Joyce bit part of the other guy's ear off, and he was pulled <laughs> off and disqualified. Wow. And that was a wake-up call to me. It was two granddads who you think would have something better to do with their lives, um, you know, beating the hell out of each other in the middle of a forest, uh, surrounded by 200 screaming men. And um, at that stage, I really decided to, um, to, stop, the whole, to stop the whole thing. Now, do you think and that I thought, was? An and I thought I'd walk away from it, but um, it wasn't quite as simple as that. Now, do you think that was an homage to Mike Tyson? Yeah, yeah. I think it was. A, I think it was. A, I think Mike Tyson did it on the spur of the moment, and these guys, Big Joe Joyce, did it <laughs> the same way. He did it twice, though. He got away with it the first time. They let him continue because the other guy wanted to finish off the fight. But as soon as he got a chance again, he got stuck into his ear. Um, so he obviously had a taste for it. Yeah, no. It's. I mean, it's impressive that they are able to kind of hold together some some monicum of uh, civility or in the sense that okay if you win you do get the money there's refs it seems like there's how are they able to kind of keep peace outside of the fight or is that a common problem as well it can be a problem um i mean one of the reasons they have fair to call them is to stop uh, faction fights breaking out that's the whole purpose really behind fair fights um, it's not just like who's the best fighter. It's not like a championship uh, as it is in professional boxing or, or amateur ring boxing. It is to resolve disputes. That's the whole point of it, but it doesn't always work like that. Um, one fight which happened um, just after I'd, uh, after my film really concludes in terms of the fighting, uh, and I did have to film it as well, but we didn't include it in the film. It was between uh, two of the families in the, in the film, and there was a dispute at the end of it as to... Um, as to whether one guy should have been left fight on or whether he was actually knocked out. And because of that dispute, uh, there was a big, big gang, a uh, really faction fight uh, between the two families in a, in a town in the middle of Ireland. And as a result of that, 60 men, 60 men got, um, got jail terms, suspended as it happens. Uh, but they, there was a lot of people uh, rioting for days, uh, you know, attacking each other with bricks and bottles and all sorts of stuff. No, wait, and why did... What was, uh, what was the rioting started of? From oh, because a dispute over because how the fight ended. A dispute over the result of the fight. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they couldn't walk away from it. Um, but the fights, the fights, essentially, the role of the fights in the culture is to stop that kind of thing happening. But if right. if there's a disagreement or one one side feels uh, feels uh, unfairly treated, it can have the other effect. It can actually spark off a bigger a bigger problem. Now, explain a little bit about the preparation for the fights. These guys, it seems like. They kind of train, but then it also seems that they're not obviously athletes in peak physical condition. You talked about grandfathers fighting at 60 years old. I was just amazed that these guys, you know, it seems to be such a big thing, these these fights, and these guys just roll up wearing jeans and just shirtless. It, 
are these guys drunk at all? Is that a part of their? Uh... No, 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 no. No, it's it, it, it's not really like that at all. They do train hard, uh, but I mean, you, you, there, there can be quite a lot of fights in a in a train in, in a in, in, over the course of a period of time, and some fighters are going to be very serious about what they do. Some men in the families would be very proficient boxers. Um, you know, of the two, of the there's four families in the film, but three really feuding families. And of those families, two uh, young men from those families were in the Irish Olympic boxing team uh, at the last Olympics. Oh wow! Um, and I'm not saying they were bearing up the boxers as well, but two of them, two of them, uh, you know, were their 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 some of their cousins would have been bearing up the boxing as well. So some of these guys are very very proficient boxers in the ring and very well trained. James Quinn McDonough, in fact, the principal character in the film, he was a, he was a champion boxer in his youth in his, as a schoolboy. But, you know, they, they go a different path once they reach a certain age very often. Now, and, how uh, do you decide, Ian, how do you decide, okay, I mean, these fights go on for generations after generations. How did you decide as a documentarian to say, okay, my story's been told, I have enough? How did you make that decision? Yeah, you know, you have to remember what I'm doing in this kind of film is I'm following life as it's unfolding. So I'm really waiting. There's an element of waiting and hope. Uh, I could call a halt at any moment in time and shape a story, shape a, a narrative out of that. But really, I was hoping at different times over the period of years um, that there would be uh, some kind of, you know, um, natural narrative arc would present itself. And on different occasions, it seemed to be uh, coming, and then something would happen, and a series of fights, for example, would get cancelled, um, or I'd be stopped going to a fight or something like that. So after the grandfather fight, which uh, which case I'd been filming for a number of years already, I decided I really couldn't do this anymore. I didn't, I hadn't found a way to finish it, a natural way within the uh, within the the lives themselves. But a year later, after that, um, I got a phone call from Michael Quinn McDonough, whose store, whose wedding I'd started the whole thing off at. He was now over 10 years older. He was nearing 30, and he was becoming a father himself. He had two or three children. And uh, I got a call to say he had a big fight uh, coming up. He challenged a man in uh, England to fight uh, a cousin of his called Big Paul Joyce. Now, nine years before that, I filmed Michael uh, just the year after his wedding at 19 years of age fight Big Paul Joyce in the course of those seven men against seven men that day. And Michael had been disgraced. He bit Paul Joyce uh, on the chest, Big Paul was a much bigger man, and uh, Michael, in frustration, had bit him and fouled him and been disqualified and disgraced himself. And he was the son of the big champion. So it was a tough, a tough role to be in. Nine years later, having had a number of fights himself then, by then, Michael, and made himself a lot bigger and uh, you know, changed his physique hugely. He was, looked like more like Mike Tyson than a, than a young boy getting married. <laughs> um, he challenged the man he'd been disqualified against. And this gave me... this. This gave me a, an idea that this would be this would be the circle, really. This would be a, a general. Felt like it came full circle. Yeah, it came full circle. Uh, I mean, he was trying to vindicate himself in his own eyes, in his opponent's eyes, in his family's eyes. He might have lost. He might have been disgraced again. Who knows? But it certainly presented me with. Uh, you'll have you know, to check out the film, right? Pardon? Yeah, I said I guess you'll have to check out the film, right? Exactly. Check out the film to see what happened. Okay, now Ian, where can uh, people go and uh, see the film? I know it's in in some theaters in uh, New York and Los Angeles, but is there a way you can check it out online at all? Yeah, the, uh, I think the, the movie's been shown at the moment um, in L.A., um, New York, uh, New York, and <coughs> often Texas. You can uh, download it 
VOD and uh, it's available on DVD as well. Uh, you need to check the Knuckle site, uh, the Knuckle um, website and the Facebook page. Uh, okay. KnuckleTheMovie.com is the website and uh, check out Knuckle on Facebook. Okay, KnuckleTheMovie.com. Make sure you check it out. Ian Palmer, I appreciate your time and uh, thanks for the interview, man. Best of luck with the film.